Well, good morning, St. George's. Friends, it's great to be with you this day as we go to open God's word and look at Psalm 1. Friends, let us just bow our heads in prayer before we do so. Lord Jesus, we come before you this Christmas season, heading into a new year, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into understanding as we look to this text of Scripture this day. Would you convict us of our sin, Lord, and call us to trust you more. Give us godly understanding, right understanding, as we look to this scripture. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts here would be acceptable in your sight. We love you, Lord. Be with us. Teach us from your word. It's in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, there's only two ways, the way of life and the way of death. The way of life is found only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Love of God and love of neighbor and narrow is this path. And the way of death, friends, is found through rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, unbelief, hatred of God and hatred of neighbor. And wide is this path. For Jesus says himself in Matthew 7, For the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This day, friends, before the start of a new year, God sets before us the way of life and the way of death has found in Psalm 1. And so here's the question. Which way are you walking on? Right? Which road are you traveling by? Eternity is at hand. Let's look at Psalm 1 this morning. Let's look at the text. If you don't have your Bibles open, please get them open. Turn to Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Friends, Psalm 1 shows us the main purpose of the book of Psalms. And maybe you're starting a new Bible plan tomorrow and you'll have a daily psalm included in that. The main purpose of the book of Psalms, right? A a manual for living the blessed life, right? Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man, right? Blessed, happy is the man who trusts in the promises of God. Let's look at this godly wisdom found in Psalm 1. What is it? To be blessed. To be blessed, friends, is to truly enjoy God's special favor and grace. This true happiness found through faith in God. Friends, you know this. This is what your soul has always been longing for. Your whole life long, traveling on this journey, you've been longing for this true happiness, this true blessedness that comes with salvation in Christ. This true comfort, this true joy, this true peace with God. Friends, the man or woman who has this, who has salvation in Christ, is blessed, truly and inexpressibly happy and joy-filled 
This world cannot pr- provide this true happiness. You may look in many different places in this world, but this true happiness, this true blessedness, living the blessed life, friends, it's not found in worldly living. You know this. The blessedness is found through faith in the Lord. The Lord says himself, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For the things of God. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. The list goes on. Blessed, truly happy in God are those who live the way of Jesus and who trust him by faith. Walking along the way of life. This truly happy person in Psalm 1, verse 1. This person, this man here, refuses to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do you see this? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Right? Does not stand in the way of sinners and will not sit in the seat of scoffers, does not assume position in their way of life, which is not a way of life, it's the way of death. The righteous person, though, the blessed person, is described here in in Psalm 1, verse 1, by what he avoids, right? He takes no part in the way of death and destruction. His lifestyle, friends, the blessed man, his lifestyle is rooted in his faith, in the promises of God. And important to note, friends, this blessed man is righteous, but he does not have a righteousness of his own. God has credited the righteousness of Christ to his account through faith. And now, because of that position that he's in, he strives to follow the ways of God in obedience because of what God has already done for him in Jesus So, in Psalm 1, we'll see the fruit of true faith, the man who has true faith in this psalm. Friends, that we would be doers of the word and not hearers only. So, Psalm 1, verse 1, again, this blessed person will not be guided by the counsel of those who reject Christ, right? The truly happy person, you want true happiness, friends? This person, this man in Psalm 1, will not stand with sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, those who openly reject the ways of God, those who are arrogant and mock the things of God, right? This blessed person who is no longer guilty because Christ has paid the penalty for his sin, this blessed, repentant person will not share in the values of the guilty, the wicked, those who reject Christ. This blessed man will not Hold fast to the corrupt moral orientation of an unbelieving, unrepentant lifestyle. Right? This blessed man will not walk, stand, or sit in the way of sinners. Right? This is not his life's trajectory. This is not his vantage point. The blessed man has nothing to do with the trajectory of the ungodly because we know, friends, The ungodly are those walking on the way of death and hell through rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's our second question then this morning. The first was, which way are we walking on? There's the way of life and the way of death. 
Here's the second question or set of questions. What's guiding our lifestyle? What's guiding our lifestyle? What's our compass? Are we guided by the counsel of unbelievers, of those who reject Christ, of the wicked? When we look at our life, when we look at our schedules, when we look at our goals, going into a new year here, when we look at our checkbooks, friends, does it look like Christ is the number one focus in your life? Or are you living a basically secular, worldly life that's governed by the counsel of the wicked, the advice of those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ? This is the heart check moment this morning. Are we guided functionally even in our doings, in our life decisions? Are we guided by an atheistic worldview or are we guided by the heavenly counsel of almighty God who himself is the wonderful counselor? What's guiding your life decisions in your business, in your work, in your finances, in your healthcare decisions, in how you spend your mornings, in how you spend your evenings, in how you spend your money, what's guiding your life decisions, in how you run your household, in how you spend your time off, in how you rest, in how you spend your leisure time well, in how you worship, in what you worship, in how you pray, in how you read your Bible, are you walking through life with the counsel of the wicked as your compass? Or are you looking to Christ and his word written? Let's look at verse 2. Psalm 1 verse 2. So this blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But verse 2, but his delight, rather, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It is delight in the law of the Lord. Right? This blessed, happy man who trusts in God and his delight is in the law of the Lord. Well, what is this? The law of the Lord. In this context, the Torah, probably referring to the Mosaic law, but extending beyond this as well. Right? All of the scriptures. Ultimately, what is this? The law of the Lord. Ultimately, the covenant instruction of God founded on his redeeming grace the instruction of the Lord this blessed man delights in the instruction of the Lord right on this instruction he meditates day and night right this instruction well where do we find the instruction of the Lord friends right here in the sacred scriptures in the Bible Right? God's word written. This is the instruction of the Lord, the word of God. This must be our compass, right? For living the blessed life, the, the instruction of the Lord. So Psalm 1, this man of God delights in the instruction of the Lord. His, his law, his statutes, his precepts, his word. I love the word translated delight here, right? Delight delighting in the law of the Lord. It carries with it this idea of good pleasure, right? Good pleasure. Like there's this, there's this desire, there's this longing of the soul that's nourished deeply through the word of God written. 
Friends, don't go looking for delight in the empty, momentary pleasures of this world. Instead, look to God's word, delight in his covenant instruction, in his law, his word written to us. Delight in your soul. Find nourishment in his word. You know it, friends. The things of this world will not satisfy the deep longing that you have. They won't. They will not. But who will? Christ the Lord will. The babe in the manger will encounter him this new year in his word. Get into your Bibles. Encounter him by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. You want to be truly happy in God, friends? You want to be blessed. Love the instruction of the Lord. Meditate on his instruction, on his word, constantly, consistently. This is a habitual pattern that we must practice. True, solid happiness, friends, is found in God and in his word. Nothing can compare with the blessedness of a life saturated with the word of God, right? If that's your life, if your life is saturated with the word of God, if this is the foundation of your life, then death nor trial can take away your eternal joy. Delighting in God's word, you will not be shaken. And so we have to make a key choice here, friends. Will we rejoice and will we receive the instruction from the Lord? Right? Where do we look for instruction? Do we receive it from the Lord or from fools? Will we listen to the voice of life or the many voices of death in our world today? Will we walk on the way of life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or will we walk in the counsel of the wicked who reject Christ and are ultimately on the trajectory of death and hell? Psalm 1 verse 2, delight in God's word. Here's the question. Are you delighting in the word of God? Are you reading your Bible? Are you getting into it? If you're not, then what's guiding you? If you call yourself a Christian and you're not reading the word of God, what's guiding you? What media are you consuming that would be your compass instead of the word of God? So we're approaching 2024. Friends, this is a great time to start fresh. We already talked about it, Bible plans. We got them. You, you know, we got the resources. Get into the word of God. Get a plan and start meditating on the word of God. Start afresh this new year. Day and night, study, read, meditate. Meditate on the instruction of the Lord. Well, what does this mean, this idea of meditation? The term meditate or meditation is thrown around a lot these days, right, in our culture. And usually when we encounter this word meditation or meditate in our culture, it's referring to meditation as understood in Eastern spirituality, right? Buddhism, Hinduism, yoga kind of gets lumped into the New Age as well. Meditation in the Eastern understanding is this emptying of the mind, usually in silence and solitude, usually with breath work. Now, there's nothing wrong with silence and solitude or, you know, breathing, but this Eastern meditation 
that you find in the New Age, this is not biblical meditation, right? What's biblical meditation? What's the psalmist talking about here? Biblical meditation, rather. The, The Bible talks about meditation, and it talks about this active pondering, right, of the things of God. Now, surely this could happen in the quiet. Actually, I like doing this in the quiet, in a quiet place. Many times, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus often withdrew for prayer in times of solitude, quietness with God, right? Intentional time, right? With his Father. But biblical meditation, this is the key. Biblical meditation is not an emptying of the mind, right? Rather, biblical meditation is actually a filling, filling of the mind with the things of God, right? That's the difference here. And sure, maybe that's a quieting of the mind of a worldly focus, right? Getting that out of there in order to more fully fill the mind with the things of God. Pondering, musing, right? Muttering, groaning, meditating, imagining, uttering. This is an active thing. Actively setting your mind on heavenly things. Meditating on God's instruction, right? God's word. Sure, in Bible reading, of course, throughout the day and night, thinking of the things of God, meditating, pondering his instruction, his law. But not only in Bible reading, but even as you go about other things in your life, even as you work, pondering, setting your mind on heavenly things, having a heavenly vantage point for your life, right? This vertical focus, even when you're at work, in prayer, through the reading of the scriptures, right? Meditating, pondering the things of God. Practicing the presence of God through meditation on his word. You know, the scripture talks about, about these things. Colossians 3 says, setting your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. Or Romans 8 verse 5 says, setting your mind on the things of the spirit, right? This is an active thing. We actually have to practice this, right? Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, on things that are above. Or in Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9, which is a continuation of what Dan preached last week at the 9 a.m. service, it says this, Scripture says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Friends, the more heavenly your focus, the more earthly good you will be. Meditate on God's instruction day and night, not only in the reading of of sacred scripture, but a constant pondering and contemplation. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom consciously actively ponder the things of God fix your mind's eye upon Jesus day and night right this takes practice friends this is an active thing and these good spiritual habits take practice Matthew Henry the Bible commentator he said this about this passage he says we must have a constant regard to the word of God right as the rule of our actions in the spring of our comforts and have it in our thoughts day and night, right? A 
low intonation of the scriptures, right? Have our heart and mind engaged, pondering, meditating, contemplating, that we would ultimately, why are we doing this? That we would know the Lord more. We would know his love for us more. That we would remind ourselves day in and day out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, we need these reminders. That's why we're here every Sunday. But this can't just be a Sunday thing. This has to be something that you do each day and night. Meditating on the word of the Lord. Meditating on his law. Okay, let's look at verse 3. So this blessed man follows God, trusts God, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, delights in the law of God, meditates on his word. Verse 3, this is the blessed man. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Here, friends, we see the fruit of a man or woman who trusts in the promises of God, right? Living out their faith, walking along that narrow way that leads to life, meditating on God's instruction. This blessed person who has true faith will bear good fruit, right? That's the pattern. Because they're connected to the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? They're abiding in Christ, Jesus says himself, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says in John 15, verse 5, this abiding in Christ, right? This is one of the pictures that we get here in verse 3. Abiding in Christ. How do we do this? Through prayer, through meditating on the instruction of the Lord, the study of scripture, through time and Intentional time with the Lord, in solitude maybe, fasting, loving the least of these, through fellowship, worship, Sabbath, setting intentional time aside, creating spiritual habits, abiding in Christ as he's at work in us. Psalm 1 verse 3, the tree here, we notice, is planted, firmly rooted by streams of water, right? Firmly rooted by streams of water. This tree is being nourished. This tree will endure. It will not be blown away. This tree draws on precious resources that sustains it. And as the tree drinks from the stream, so the righteous drink from the instruction of the Lord. Right? The blessed man, friends, bears much fruit. Living a life of purposeful productivity through faith in Christ, right? Not selfish ambition. I always have to think of this when we go into a new year, right? What, look at the goals that we set if you do that. Is it because of selfish ambition or is it ambition for the gospel? What's the productivity in your life look like and what's the purpose behind it? Bearing fruit for the gospel or is it selfish ambition? The happy man in God, this blessed man, is nourished by the word of God, right? Nourished by Christ himself through his word written. Drawing on the water that Christ provides, right? This, this living water, a spring of water welling up to eternal life, right? Spending conscious time with Jesus. 
being nourished by him, he who is our eternal food. This eternally nourished man of God bears much fruit for Christ's glory, right? For Christ's glory. This is the purpose of his fruit. This blessed man walks in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing God, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God through meditating on his instruction. Right? This blessed man has an eternal foundation for his life and an everlasting source of nourishment for his life. Nothing can shake him. Do you want that foundation for your life, friends? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Nothing will shake you. Leaves will not wither. Fruit will be born because this man or woman who trusts in God, it's because of God that they have this everlasting, eternal foundation. The leaf does not wither. We see this in verse 3 because this means that the tree endures and continually bears fruit, right? Connected to the true vine, bearing fruit. Now, this fruit tree imagery is key for us to properly interpret the last line of verse 3. Check out the last line. In all that he does, he prospers. This blessed man. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, the Hebrew word rendered prospers here is broader in scope than the English word prospers or prosperity, which for some reason tends to always be associated with finances. But the Hebrew word really means succeeds. In all he does, prospers. In all he does, in life and in death. Think about the fruit tree imagery here. One commentator put it like this. He said, a tree bears fruit not for itself, but for others. And so we can see that when the faithful person prospers, it's not for himself, Nor is the prospering even necessarily material, but his prosperity is his success in bringing benefit to others, right? True faith in the Lord Jesus Christ bears true fruit in obedience and good works. The man who has true faith bears fruit for the glory of God and for the benefit of others, for the salvation of others, to the end that the gospel of Christ is going forward right this is not i mean this this verse could be taken out of context so many times has been taken out of context this is not some sort of false american health and wealth prosperity gospel that preaches lies that you know jesus wants you to have a lamborghini and wants you rolling around in a pile of gold no that that's a joke look at the text here think of jesus's words in luke 12 Luke 12, 15 to 21, I'll just read it. It's it's the parable of the rich fool. This is what he says. Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, 
This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What does it mean to bear fruit, friends? To prosper. It's the grace of Christ on the way through you to others, right? That they may be saved. The gospel of Christ on the way through you to others, that they may be saved, right? It's having an impact for the gospel. It's not about storing up material wealth into bigger barns for yourself. It's about striving every day to be a witness for Christ. That you would be a vessel of the good news as the Holy Spirit works within you. And as you faithfully and obediently do what you're called to do for God's glory and for the salvation of others. That's prospering, friends, in all that you do in life, and in death. What's a heavy picture of prospering? St. Stephen being stoned. St. Paul being beheaded. St. Peter being crucified upside down. How? How is that prospering? Why is that prospering? Because in death or in life, Christ is glorified. Fruit is being born for the gospel. The gospel is going forward for the benefit and salvation of others for the glory of god friends prosperity is not about money it's about bearing fruit for the gospel let's look at verse four here's the contrast verse four the wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away so here's the contrast here The wicked do not bear fruit, right? They reject the covenant instruction of the Lord. Instead, they they set out to live lives on their own terms. They're rootless, and they amount to nothing in the end, right? The wicked here are, they're not like the beneficial fruit tree. The chaff brings no benefit to anyone, which is why the wicked are likened to it. So here's another question. Where do you find yourself here at the end of 2023? Are you bearing fruit by abiding in Christ as the Holy Spirit works within you? Or do you find yourself rejecting the instruction of the Lord and living life or trying to live life on your own terms like the wicked? Friends, do you want to live a good life? Do you want to live the good life? Bow your knee to Jesus. You want to have a life of meaning and truth and purpose. Bow your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you never want to die, bow your knee to King Jesus, the eternal one, the babe in the manger. Friends, there's only two ways. The trajectory of the wicked who are playing God or attempting to, that trajectory only leads to death and hell. The wrath of God is coming against sin and unbelief. But the way of life, through faith in Christ, eternal life, forgiveness, and peace. Which way are you walking on? Verse 4, the wicked are compared to these dead, rootless plants. Right, A puff of wind carries them away. 
The ungodly are led by the counsel of the wicked. They have no delight in the instruction of the Lord, in the law of God. They're easily driven to and fro by every wind of temptation, and they don't necessarily care about it. They're unrepentant. Instead, the wicked, they they find pleasure in worldly materialism, in obsession with money, in sexual immorality, in pornography, adultery, idolatry, pride, deceit, foul language, witchcraft, mindless entertainment, idleness, wasting their time on social media looking for gossip. The wicked's way is the way of death. They don't bear any fruit for Christ. They reject and mock God. They're unrepentant, and they'll not stand in the judgment. Here's another question for us, you and me both. Do we ever find ourselves caught up in the patterns of the wicked? Well, we have to repent for when we do and turn to Jesus, trusting in him for the forgiveness of sins and entering life. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. We see the hard contrast here between these two ways, this way of life, this way of death. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Friends, the wrath of God is coming. Sin will be dealt with. Those who ultimately reject Christ through unbelief will spend an eternity in hell. This is the heaviness of the scriptures. Matthew Henry said it this when commenting on this passage, I didn't want to put it into my own words. It was too good. So this is what he says. He says, The chaff may be for a while among the wheat, but he is coming, whose fan is in his hand, and who will thoroughly purge his floor. Those that by their own sin and folly make themselves as chaff will be found so before the whirlwind and fire of divine wrath. The doom of the ungodly is fixed, but... Whenever the sinner becomes sensible of his guilt and misery, he may be admitted into the company of the righteous by Christ, the living way, and become in Christ a new creature. And this new creature will have new desires, new pleasures, new hopes, new fears and sorrows, new companions, new employments. His thoughts, his words, and his actions will be changed He enters on a new state, the one who believes in Jesus, and bears a new character. Behold, all things are made new by divine grace, which changes his soul into the image of the Redeemer. That's what Matthew Henry said. Friends, the sinner made saint, the once wicked man made a blessed man by the grace of God. Nothing that you did, the grace of God in salvation. His grace alone, giving the once wicked man a new heart, causing him to be born again. Friends, judgment is coming. The way of the wicked will perish. The wicked way of life comes to nothing. Another question this morning. What are you trusting in for salvation? Who are you trusting in? Here's the reality, friends. God's standard is is perfection. And you haven't kept it, neither have I. Then how can we be part of the congregation of the righteous that we see in verse 5? In the end, 
We don't have a righteousness of our own. We're not perfect. We still struggle with sin. Though we're repentant, how can we be considered blessed and righteous? We need the righteousness of Christ gifted to us by grace through faith. Friends, again, there's only two ways. The way of life and the way of death. And these two ways are determined by one's relation to the Lord. The Lord intimately knows the way of the righteous. Well, who are the righteous? The righteous are those who genuinely embrace the promises of God by faith. Those who delight in the instruction of the Lord. This results in a changed life. Those who freely confess confess their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we can't earn salvation, nor do we deserve it. And yet the Lord knows his sheep with affection. He knows his sheep with affection and approval. Those who trust in Jesus. The righteous friends are only righteous because Jesus Christ is righteous. And it's Jesus' righteousness credited to our account through faith. This is what we need. Jesus has fulfilled the role that we never could. He perfectly kept the law. He also died the death that we deserved and he bore the wrath of God on the cross in full and in our place. He paid the penalty for our sins and he rose from the grave in victory. You want to live the blessed life, friend, here this morning. You want meaning, truth, and true delight in your life. You want to be nourished and bear fruit and truly prosper. Do you want a heavenly foundation for your life? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive his righteousness as a gift credited to your account. Receive the forgiveness of all your sins and you will never die. Eternal life will be your destination. You want true happiness that the world can't provide? Trust in Jesus. You will be blessed with the greatest blessing, your salvation in Christ. Be numbered among the faithful and travel along the way of life and become a person of love who bears fruit for the gospel. Friends, maybe you're here today and you haven't been trusting in Christ. Maybe you've been walking in the counsel of the wicked, which is this way of death. Friends, you know it's not working out. You know it's not working out. You're still unfulfilled. You're still without purpose and you're still without joy. Don't let another moment go to waste. Confess your sins. Trust in Jesus, the babe in the manger, as Lord and Savior and King. The God of the universe knows you and loves you and is calling you to himself even right now, giving you a new faithful heart that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, the babe in the manger. Would you behold him this Christmas season? And as we head into a new year, believe in him. Enter into relationship with him by faith. Turn from your sins and you will be blessed. You'll have a heavenly foundation for your life and eternal life to come. Psalm 1, friends. Who is the perfect blessed man? His name is Jesus. In Psalm 1, we see ultimately a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is he as he saves us and calls us to imitate his conduct 
as we believe and bear fruit because we're connected to the true vine and the Holy Spirit is at work in us as we become increasingly Christ-like and as we travel along this way of life with the instruction of the Lord as our compass, this way of the heavenly kingdom of peace and love. Friends, the way of Jesus is the best way and it's the only way to eternal life. Trust him. Go into 2024 believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abide in him and bear much fruit for the gospel. Trust him. He'll finish the good work that he started in you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the babe in the manger that lived a perfect life and went to the cross for our sins, paying the penalty in full. And he offers us forgiveness, his righteousness, his perfect record and eternal life. It's in you, Lord, that we have true delight. It's in you that we bear fruit. Help us to go into 2024, meditating on the instruction of the Lord day and night, delighting and having this firm foundation, this everlasting foundation for our life. Lord, thank you for your church. Lord, I pray that we'd bear fruit this next year, that many more would come to salvation. That's the whole point. That you love us and you came for us and you've given us the gift of faith. May many more be saved through our ministry. It's in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.